Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Nick Day, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Blake. Really appreciate it. So we have to give a little bit of backstory just really quick. You are married to my childhood best friend. Caroline and I went to school, I think literally probably kindergarten through fourth or fifth grade and then went separate directions and then have reconnected and we have like a bunch of kids and talk all the time. So when you had a book coming out, I was like, oh, well, you got, we have to interview. We have to talk about it. That's what I do. <laughs> so we have a nice little bit of like biggest small world ever. And I'm super excited to have you on the show today. So excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to, to, to be here. And Caroline talks so highly of you, just those memories. And um, like I said, we, we got to get together and get all those, yes. those kids All our wild kids, let them just like go and be. So we have a lot to cover because I want to talk about you and I want to talk about your story, but then I also want to talk about your book because I love the opportunity to interview people who write fiction, which I don't get to do often. I think you're actually my second fiction author of all my interviews. So I, I love it. I'm super, I'm super excited to get to chat about that. But first, can you give us a little like, cliff notes version of kind of your story you're super open about your former life as an atheist and kind of coming mm-hmm. into christianity and just tell us kind of what that looked like yeah uh so i became a christian uh, because well because my wife is really good looking if i would just say in a, in a <laughs> short in a short story uh but if i were to back up she is my, she's my real cute story, um you know, I grew up, uh, moved around a lot as I was a little kid. My dad worked for an oil field company and he took a lot of expat assignments. Um, so I was born in Scotland. We moved to England. We moved to Dubai for a few years, moved to Bolivia a couple of years. And then we came to the United States. And um, in Bolivia, I went to a school called Santa Cruz Christian Learning Center, a terrific missionary school. And I was just surrounded by people on fire for Jesus. And that was probably my, my, my first exposure to that everyone there was just absolutely on fire. And, you know, I made this emotional and, and passionate connection myself. This is third, fourth grade. You know, I'm, I'm praying with them. I'm singing the songs. I'm jamming out to DC talk and newsboy on my Walkman and just, you know, just diving all in. Right. But there are people we- listening that literally don't know what you just said. Like you just spoke a foreign <laughs> language for a second. And that's so sad. <laughs> Can you still buy Walkmans? I don't know. Oh, I don't. That's worth a Google. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so jamming out more Walkman. Awesome. Having a great time. We moved to the United States. I'm in fifth grade and kind of removed from from that isolated environment there where everyone's on fire from Jesus. 
And that's a complicated time frame anyway. You're going in middle school, and in puberty, all kinds of strange hormones running through. At the same time, I, I was dealing with culture shock. You know, I was coming from right. a place where you could get one box of macaroni and cheese every few months. You go to the grocery store and you could, the whole shelf is full of any kind of macaroni and cheese that you could possibly imagine, different flavors. And everyone's talking about songs that they know and sports that they're playing that I don't know anything about. So it was a little bit of a, a culture shock there. And no way, shape or form did I have any a, a tragic life or a difficult life. Yeah. But I think I got a little dose of reality in terms of, you know, life isn't this this happy-go-lucky la-la land. Um, mm-hmm. And we all reach that, I think, at some point of our lives, that that realization that expectations uh, are, are a little bit different than, than we anticipated. And um, I just started having these these thoughts and these questions. Of, well, if God is is good, you know, why am, why am I feeling sad? You know, what? Why, why are all these bad things happening to, to people around the world? Why is all the suffering going on? And at, at the same time, uh, I was a pretty smart kid. I liked science a lot. And I started believing that science was saying, like, God doesn't exist. He's not necessary. He doesn't exist. Well, well I know now as I look back, you know, there's different approaches to science. You can take observations uh, from the facts that, that you see around you and draw conclusions. Uh, but you can also take a what I would call a materialist approach where no matter what, I am committed to coming up with an answer that's solely reliant on natural causes. So if all the observations seem to be telling me that a natural cause is virtually impossible, I'm still committed to coming up with a system. Right. Rather than saying, hey, it looks like this is impossible without invoking something beyond just the natural causes that we know about. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this at the time. And I just assumed that science says, you know what, this whole God thing, this this doesn't make any sense. And I, I don't think there was a time where I was like, I'm an atheist and, you know, had this moment. But it yeah. was just kind of this gradual drifting away through middle school. And I would certainly say in high school, definitely college. I, I was a I was a committed atheist. But the, mm. the funny thing about it is that I wasn't even willing to listen to arguments from the other side. Right. I just I just assumed they were bad. Yep. And it was, uh, it wasn't just that I didn't want to be around Christians. My heart was so set against God that not only did I not want to listen, I just, I didn't want to be around them. They mm-hmm. irritated me. They annoyed me. And then I met Caroline and I thought she was hot and she was a Christian. <laughs> and she's she was a Christian. Like, yeah. She's yeah. one of a kind. Truly. Yeah. So, I, you know, I met Caroline. She's a Christian. I didn't like it, but she was hot. So I would listen to her, right? I would listen to her. And I, I think I thought at the time that I, I'll just talk her out of this. Right. What was, what was neat is no matter what I said, nothing would shake her confidence. You know, her, her faith was so grounded. And we, and we hit it off and we started dating. And, you know, I got to the point, you know, meeting her parents to go over there. And at some point they invited me to go to a church service with them. And I agree just to be nice. And I think I'm wearing flip-flops and a tie-dye shirt or something just to give you a snapshot where I am in life. Right? Yeah, yeah. My mother-in-law says I was wearing the most wrinkled shirt she's ever seen. Uh, <laughs> but we go we go to this church service and, and Blake, I can't tell you one word of the sermon. I don't, I, I don't remember at all. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that I started crying and it was 
ugly crying. Like I had mm-hmm. snot coming down, tears. I'm like trying to wipe it on my sleeve. I'm sitting right next to you know my future mother-in-law, which I, I didn't know that at the time, but I'm trying to hide it all because I'm embarrassed. It, it just broke me. And it was like I had this hole inside of me that I had been for years trying to stuff full of you know, whatever I could get my hands on, extracurricular activities, chemicals, whatever it was. I was just trying to find a way to to fill this hole. And it mm-hmm. was getting poured into for the for the very first time. And it just it just broke. Me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know now it was the Holy Spirit knocking at the, at the door, knocking on my heart. Um, but I didn't know what to do because I couldn't deny that it happened. But at the same time, I had this heart head disconnect because it still didn't make any sense to me up here. I still believe that God was just a foolish fantasy. And it wasn't like, I don't know, it, maybe a week later, maybe a couple of weeks later, whatever the timing was, it, it was perfect. Um, there was an apologist who came and spoke at the church. Dr. Frank Turk, he, he co-wrote a book with the late Dr. Norman Geisler called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And my yeah, mother-in-law, yeah. What, yeah. Oh, you're familiar with it? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my mother-in-law went to see him speak. It wasn't really her thing, but she got me a signed copy of the book. She thought, hey, Nixon Engineering School, maybe he'll like this. Having no clue that I'm going through the, this wrestling process. Right. And for the first time, I'm, I'm not only willing to look at arguments from the other side, I, I need to see them. Yeah. You know, I, I can't deny what happened. Like, l- let me see them. And it, I mean, the, the, it was just it all started coming together. I mean, the concept of the title, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Absolutely. I didn't realize all the trust I was putting in I mean, universe coming from nothing. The, the exact parameters necessary for the development of complex life, this this inner moral compass that we all have just to yeah. say that all randomly happened by chance we just got lucky you're putting a lot of trust and emphasis on that and then and then the new testament um the fact that all these eyewitness testimonies are recorded so close to the events that happened and we have so many thousands of copies of manuscripts way more unprecedented in in terms of historical documents elsewhere outside the bible that we never questioned and i think what really struck me was paul for instance going from persecuting and killing the christians to being willing to die for his faith right you know and, and at first i glossed over that you know, growing up seeing 9-11 we, we see people die for religion uh but this wasn't hundreds or thousands of years later the the apostles walked and, and talked with jesus and they saw him go to the cross and die yeah and then they were willing to die themselves to say Do the same That's thing the yeah. son of why well, why? Unless, unless the resurrection, right? What better explanation? Right. Awesome thing. And uh, all these things just started coming together. And I, I don't know the exact time frame, but um, I mean, it wasn't long after that. I, I gave my life to Christ, um, actually kneeling over a toilet of all locations. <laughs> uh, it was just, it was time. There was a bathroom nearby. It was clean. The lid was closed. I just wanted someone to, to kneel down, but yeah. prove that that God will meet you anywhere. Right. Amen. That's an amazing story. So, I mean, like we said in the beginning, Caroline and I have like stayed mildly connected since we were kids. And I remember like, didn't y'all meet at bogeys? We did. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly you, where didn't, we met. You just, didn't y'all just lose bogey? Y'all had a dog named just, bogey. I'm so sorry. That's the worst. You. I'm so sorry. But 
I mean, so people that are not local, Bogey Bogies is a bar in Baton Rouge that That's if right. you went to LSU, you've likely been there. You know, so like, but I remember y'all dating and get it. I remember when y'all got married, and I, I would have never known that you identified as an atheist. And some of that is like Southern culture, like you kind uh, of just assume that everybody else loves God, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But. I think it's so interesting what you were talking about that it you didn't have this moment of like stamp it I identify as an atheist boom you know like a lot of people do the other way right most people that's true can look back and say I remember when I became a believer I remember when I handed my life over to Christ but that gradual like you said gradual drifting away and that research bias of you can find things to help bolster your belief system mm -hmm. and it and it happening when you were so young you know fifth grade fifth sixth seventh grade that's young to start thinking uh, i don't know if i believe all this like i don't know if if i if i believe that god is real or or that he created all of this so I, my question is very long-winded question my question is how like on the other side, like, what do you look back in those really formative years, high school, even college? Like, what do you feel like, other than obviously Jesus, was missing? Ooh. Like, what did you not get to experience had you loved Jesus in that season? Oh, man. I certainly made a lot of poor choices and decisions and kind of yeah. went on a self destructive path that could avoid a lot of. Uh, heartache and, and pains uh, looking back um, uh, I would that for sure uh, yeah and missed out on a, on a walk and a journey with him okay if you are a creative or a small business owner or you're in direct sales you need to listen up because my course run your race opens for registration on January 19th the course only opens three times a year, so you're not going to want to miss it. And it is essentially a five-hour brain dump of all of the things that I have learned, the things that I have done wrong and had to learn how to do correctly to go from where I started two years ago to where I am today, being able to quit my full-time job and do this full-time. But it is all from a scripturally-based, non-hustle, non-self-centric place, and it is teaching you to use your gifts to the glory of God and to run your race well. So if you are interested, if you want more information, you can head to crappychristianco.com slash course. It's also linked in the show description and you can get on the wait list. You can find out about the free masterclass. You can learn about the new optional affiliate marketing bonus module. All the things live there. Crappychristianco.com slash course. Okay, let's get back to the show. The way we, we've grown closer um since i was 21 at the time and inviting him in my life i mean where would i be now in a relationship with him and the depth with that and right uh, you're just you you said besides jesus and i'm telling you jesus uh, no but I, 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 what you said about like being self-destructive like when you don't have an anchor because that like is what Jesus serves as in our lives. Yeah. Because I do think that a lot of our natural propensity is for, is like when you don't have Jesus, I can think back to when I didn't have Jesus. And like you were talking about earlier, trying to fill that hole 
mm-hmm. I think you almost get angry that you can't oh, yeah. fill the hole. And so you just start like whatever, like whatever right. I can like shove in there, even if it hurts me. Mm-hmm. I, I would my it, you know once you said I made a lot of bad decisions that I was really self-destructive I was like oh yeah same like I, I never <laughs> identified as like I don't believe God is real or I, I just didn't really want anything to do with him to be honest yeah. like I thought my way was better and I, I, I look back and I'm like cool I was really self-destructive like I would look at things and be like this is gonna hurt let's do it <laughs> you know <laughs> challenge accepted so, exactly uh- I'll tell you one thing else too that really changed uh, just from an anxiety level standpoint and this fear. I was terrified of the concept of, of time. Like no matter what I did, I couldn't stop the flow of time. And if I didn't make a name for myself here where people would remember my name and pass mm-hmm. it on to the next generation, the next generation, I was gone. I was disappeared because to me, there was nothing after. Right. And nothing I could do would slow down time. I was running out of time to do that. Um, and now it, that is completely gone. I have this, this hope inside of me. And now, yes, absolutely, I have to be a, a smart steward of my time here on this earth and still have that, uh, that understanding. Yes, my time here does come to an end. But now it's more about responsible use of that timing and knowing yeah. that at the end of the time on here earth, I'm, I'm walking into eternal paradise and a loving relationship with my savior. It's not the, yeah. the end of me. Yeah. Um, that is a, a, a huge difference. I would say in my life before Christ and afterwards. That's huge. That, that desperate need to, to create a legacy. Yeah. When on the other side of that, you're like, the legacy is already created. I'm just going to walk in it. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. going to make his name great. I think you see a lot of I think you see a lot of people on the other side of the cross who do have Jesus, but maybe haven't fully grasped that, that are still like scrapping to make a name for themselves. And you just want to be like, yo, it's all good. Like, yes, work hard. Yes. Like success is great and use your gifts. But like, as far as making, like you've already been named yeah. with the best there is like, there's no, there's no making a name for yourself when you can already like make somebody else's name. Great. You know, I I get that for sure as well. I didn't really have a lot of ambitions before I loved Jesus. So I was pretty like, meh, whatever. Like, (laughs) 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 so, uh, but I, I, I encounter, you know, through like coaching and courses and, and teaching, I encounter a lot of people that that ends up being the conversation we have is like me kind of trying to get down on their level and say, there's a difference between using your gifts for the glory of God and wanting to do that well and like needing to create a name for yourself. Like who's getting the glory here is always a really fun question to ask yourself because that gets out of whack yeah. quite quickly. I'm not saying I don't struggle with that. With right. That. We all do. Uh, it's just it not is, on the same is, level. Uh, yeah, no. Right. Exactly. So I want to I wanna talk about writing your book a little bit and, and about your book what what led you to write fiction so you're this like apologist and you have this great you know knowledge of of scripture i know that just from knowing you and and following you online what what made you decide that you wanted to write a fiction book for for like middle schoolers yeah yeah that yeah. was a great question um so always been a terrific daydreamer very good at that right not always good at daydreaming at the right time <laughs> in the school. 
Um, but I also always loved stories. I loved reading stories. And at a young age, I like writing them. I love playing make-believe. I love playing make-believe with my kids now. I You're just so good at that always, with your kids. Oh, my gosh. Always love it. I love that it gives me an excuse as a dad, as a dad to be able to play make-believe. Yes. Uh, yeah. You don't really go with your, you know, your adult buddies. Hey, let's play make believe. <laughs> right? I mean, of... some people do. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but uh, you know, in the past, I had tried to sit down and write a novel, or write a book. I'd done it a couple times. I just never had the fire to follow through. I'm yeah. a bad procrastinator. Anyway, I start things, I don't finish. I would write a chapter, maybe two chapters. Uh, the closest I ever got, I wrote half a novel after I'd become a Christian, after I was a dad, uh, which I actually just last year uh, rewrote as a short story and published called The Tantrum oh. Particle. It's about a yeah. mad scientist who tries to harness and create um, the most powerful super weapon known to man by taking the most volatile energy source known to man, which is a toddler. Um, <laughs> and create a super weapon. Oh and my so gosh, that's awesome. amazing. Yeah, yeah. But that was the closest I got. But even then, I only got halfway through it. And it just I never had the fire. And a few years after coming to Christ, I was really struggling it, on the heels of what we were just talking about, making a name for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I was really struggling with this concept. God, what is it that you want me to, to do with my life, you know, to, to do? I was looking at these, these people I thought were super Christians, like these doctors going on these medical mission trips and um, I called them soldiers for Christ. And I remember in the shower using that, crying out like, God, I want to, I want to be a soldier for you. How can I be a soldier for you? Really? I should have been concentrating probably on more on who do you want me to be? Not what do you want me to do? Like who, mm -hmm. how do you want me to conduct myself? Those are the questions and the balance I should have been having, but still good question. You know, what do you want me yeah. to do? I just was taking it in a, in a wrong direction a little bit, but so I was crying out, hey, how can I be a soldier for you? And I, I heard this quiet voice in my head. You can be a scribe. And at first I was like, a scribe? Like that sounds really wimpy. Like I'm talking about like infantry, front line, you know, battlefield, and the scribe, like writing letters. <laughs> and it started dawning on me, I could write stories. Stories that I've always loved reading, loved writing. You know, I could do that for God. I could write mm -hmm. stories that want to bring people into a closer relationship with God. And uh, Look, it might have been bad pizza I ate. This was the period of time where we had three kids in diapers at the same oh time. God. So yeah. sleep deprived, delusional. But, but yeah. either way, you know, that thought just resonated and stuck with me. And I, I do think it is scripturally sound to, to use resources and abilities we have to, to edify the church for, for God's glory. Absolutely. And so that, that kicked me off on a path and on starting to devise plot lines and stories that would point to him. Yeah. So your book that is coming out somewhere around whenever this interview is airing is Into the Great Marinara. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, you have to tell us about it. Give us, the, <laughs> give us like enough. I mean, obviously, you never want to tell, you never want to give the whole book away because you want people to buy it. But like, yeah. you got to give us some of the the plot line. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Into the Great Marinara, it's a middle grade fantasy book about a, a twelve year old boy named Tanner. Who he's good at baseball, but he's not so good at listening to the authorities in his life. He's really questioning and pushing back and challenging his coaches, his parents, and really beginning to question this whole concept of God, who, if he exists, you know, he, he wouldn't have his time to, to waste on a 12 year old. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but his whole life gets turned upside down when he gets sucked into a bowl of spaghetti at night and taken into this land full of talking pasta creatures who all swear allegiance and believe in this great master recipe maker that they call Chef. And they believe that Chef has sent Tanner to help them slay this giant spaghetti dragon that's attacking their realm. And now Tanner has, he has a choice to make. You know, is, is Chef, is that God? And is he going to trust in Chef's plan and, and follow it, even if it leads him into danger? Or is he going to just stick to his own devices and try to figure out his own way to, to make it back home? Yeah. Oh, my so God. It's, <laughs> so it's, you know, you mentioned uh, it's a middle grade fantasy. It's, it's written vocabulary wise for that nine to 12 year old range. Uh, yeah. But I'll say I, I read it to my son when he was in kindergarten and every night he was he was asking, keep going, keep going. And yeah. might say he's he's a, not exactly uh, an objective critic, but I would say but- you don't know my son. But even you know, in, in, in my thirties now, I still love middle grade fantasy. It's yeah. my favorite genre to read. It's just because you can come up with all kinds of wacky, absurd fantasy adventures, you know, James and the giant peach. I just love yes. that that kind of adventure. And also going back to my story, I mean, those were the critical years when I started asking questions that I just believed that there was no answer to. Um and so though it's you know, it's not an apologetic textbook that I've written. It's a fun, fancy adventure. There's a lot of questions in it that Tanner yeah. goes through. If God is good, how why is there suffering? You know, is it reasonable to believe in God? Does that make sense? And I, I just want readers to know, A, to have a fun adventure on the story, but also B, to know that faith is not a separation of the heart and the, and the mm-hmm. mind. We're to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Um, and that is completely reasonable and rational to do so. So it, it, that's my prayer uh, with this story. Readers enjoy it, but they also have a greater confidence in their faith when, when they walk away from the pages. Well, and I think that that conversation can be difficult for parents to have with their kids, right? Mm-hmm. If parents that are believers that are raising their kids in a Christian home and those kids start to show up with questions that maybe they don't have the answers to, or it makes them nervous that they're even asking those questions. You know, our greatest hope for our kids is that they love Jesus. And I think sometimes it can be easy to assume if they're asking questions, Oh, we are they're about to go off the rails. We're going to lose yeah. them. You know, they're not going to love yeah. Jesus. And I love that you're kind of, you're offering this bridge to ask these difficult questions, but in a way that, like, let's be honest, these great apologists that, that you and I both love, they're not going to meet a fifth grader where they're at. Like, they're just not. You know what I mean? They're going to open that book and go, uh, I don't even know what the first word means. So <laughs> I, I I think that this is going to be huge for parents and kids alike because, like, I think of it as, like, do you use Jesus Storybook Bible as an example? Like, that has helped me explain and and experience the Bible with my kids mm. in a way that that the text really wouldn't accomplish as much. Now, obviously, we're not trying to say that Jesus Storybook Bible is better than the real thing, but sometimes <laughs> for a six-year-old, it is, you know? And yeah. so I think that this is going to be a great tool for parents as well to be able to offer their kids not only the space to it for it to be okay to okay to ask those questions but also to kind of facilitate that conversation and i love that you just got to be 
fun and you know imaginative but also there's so much intention behind it as well yeah it might seem kind of funny at first to use a, a fairy tale for lack of a better word to, to say that god's not a fairy tale but yeah something about telling truth through fiction has always just resonated so much to me and yes i mean jesus spoke in parables too there's something about, about exactly. a story right that that we can really connect to exactly um, yeah, no, I appreciate the, the the kind words. That that is my my hope and, and prayer with it. Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm excited to get a copy for my kids because I think that they're gonna they're gonna love it. So tell everybody where they can connect with you online, where they can get the book, follow along with you, all those things. Follow along with your awesome crazy family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, into the great marinara is it's uh, coming out with Elk Lake Publishing, which is a, a terrific. Uh, publishing house out of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Um, I'm on their website or on their author page, but also you can find me on my own website, um, nicholascday.com, N-I-C-O-L-A-S-C-D-A-Y. So no A to Nicholas. Uh, but the best place to connect with me is is on Instagram at Nicholas C. Day. I'm on yeah. Twitter too with the same handle, but it's just a, a basically a copy, copy of my Instagram post. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And can people just get your book like wherever they get books. So it'll be available on Amazon uh, to cool. order if you want a paperback or, or a digital copy. That would Perfect. be the easiest way to, to access it. Yeah. And we're, we're going to link all of that in your show notes and your show description. So people will be able to find it really easily. But Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and your heart and the cool stories that you're getting to tell. I know this isn't going to be your only book. It's just your first book. So I can't wait for there to be more of them. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I am planning to expand it into a series. So. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Blake. I really appreciate it. This was fun. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.